the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Christian life, it not only begins, but it continues and it ends with the Holy Spirit. Join us as we explore this truth today on this Thanksgiving edition of Abounding Grace. On behalf of Pastor Gary, his wife, all of us here at Abounding Grace and Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to our broadcast. You know, the Bible isn't vague or ambiguous when it speaks about the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Bible tells us quite a bit explicitly. So how can you tell when the Spirit enters you? Well, Pastor Gary Wagner will talk about this here today on the program. If you would, join us in Galatians chapter 6, where we catch up with Pastor Gary in verses 1 through 10. Walking in the Holy Spirit motivates us to examine ourselves. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The Christian life begins, continues, and ends with the Holy Spirit of God. The Christian life begins when the Holy Spirit makes a Christian out of you. He changes your heart. The Christian life continues as the Holy Spirit, who has taken up residence in your life, continues to sanctify you and work in your life, molding you more and more into the image of Christ as life passes on. And the Christian life ends when the Holy Spirit, who has been in you all of your life, glorifies you and perfects you at death, and then one day raises your body from the dead. On our part as new and liberated people in Jesus Christ, as we are led by the Holy Spirit day in and day out, we are to live by the Spirit. That is, to depend upon the Spirit's power, to be the people God wants us to be rather than in our own power. And then we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to walk by the Spirit's rule, that rule which the Holy Spirit himself has produced for us, which is the Word of God. Now, although this is a broad description of the Christian life in the Spirit, the Bible is not at all general or vague in its description of the work of the Holy Spirit in the human heart and in the church and in the world. I would recommend that you purchase or borrow a a good book or two on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and acquaint yourself more fully with this divine person who is living in you right now as a Christian. I warn you, however, that Bible bookstores are glutted with books on the Holy Spirit, and most of them are, to put it kindly, trash. Most of the books on the Holy Spirit tell us more about the imagination and experience and psyche of the author than about the Holy Spirit. The books you should read on the Holy Spirit have been around actually for generations. 
some for centuries, and are still being published and read and enjoyed by Christians whose Christians' lives are deepened by reading them again and again. And if you have a pencil and a paper, I'll recommend just a few to you. The best book I know of on the Holy Spirit was written by a man named C.R. Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, in the 19th century. It's an, insta- it's an outstanding work called The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's about the work of the Spirit in the world, in the believer, and even in the unbeliever. Then there is a book by Benjamin Warfield called simply The Holy Spirit. These are actually very meaty books and give a great deal of nutrition. Another great book that is very moving in the way it is written is a book called The Work of the Holy Spirit by James Buchanan. Most of the works by Buchanan, by the way, are excellent. And then if you want one of the two or three best books on the whole subject of tongue speaking and healing and the charismatic movement and how that relates to the Holy Spirit, I recommend to you the book, The Final Word by O. Palmer Robertson. Now, let's go back to the subject that we've been considering for the last couple of weeks. Living and walking in the Holy Spirit as Christians, as we are being led from within by the Spirit, being guided by the Word of God, because that is the nature of everyday life for the person who believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That is a description of the Christian life. Every day the Christian is alive. He lives in the Spirit. He is led by the Spirit. He walks by the Spirit in the Spirit's power and according to the Spirit's rule. The passage that we read again this morning contains a series of exhortations And in those exhortations, Paul paints for us a picture of the life of the character of the believer in Christ who lives and walks by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we have gone through to chapter 6 to verse 4, but because this picture is a unit to maintain its completeness and its balanced nature, I want us to spend a few minutes in review highlighting the things we've already discussed fairly thoroughly thus far. Look at verse 26 of chapter 5. Let us not become boastful or conceited, challenging one another, envying one another. In other words, walking in the Holy Spirit enables us to avoid being conceited and provoking each other and envying each other always being jealous of each other, trying to prove to each other that we are better than one another. But the Holy Spirit of God within, as we depend on Him and live by His Word, enables us to live every day, not in self-centeredness, but in gratitude and contentment with God's will, thankful for what God gives us, and in humility before God and man. Then chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
in other words. Walking in the Spirit, depending upon His power, walking by His rule, enables us to deny ourselves and to live for one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to live for other people with compassion, often seeking to restore a brother or sister who has been overtaken by some sin in a weak moment. And then, seeking to restore them and getting them back in line with the Word of God by gentleness and humility as the spiritual people that we are in Christ. In fact, in this passage, the great focus is on one another. The focus of the Christian life that is lived in the power of the Spirit is not on ourselves, satisfying ourselves and meeting our own needs and patting ourselves on the back and trying to impress other people with our own goodness. It is one another focused. We are to turn ourselves inside out. The intense love that we once had for ourselves before we became a Christian, we now turn ourselves inside out and seek to love each other with the same intensity that we once had in our self-centered lives. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of God. Walking in the Holy Spirit enables us to deny ourselves to live for one another. And so, love our brothers and sisters. We are willing to bear one another's burdens in this life, even though we have our own burdens. Now, what are these burdens that our lives seem to be filled with? It is tragedies, heartaches, pressures, infirmities, weaknesses, anything that would impede our moral and spiritual progress. In this world, our lives are full of burdens. And when we are depending upon the Holy Spirit to enable us to do what we can't do ourselves, and we are trying to obey the Word of God, the Holy Spirit enables us to want to enter into the burdens of other people and thereby lift them and lighten their load even just a bit. We want to weep with those who weep, And we want to rejoice with those who rejoice. And remember, we talked about God's method for lightening our burdens. Number one, repentance. A lot of the burdens we have in life, we have because of our own sin. And if we repent of that sin and quit doing what we've been doing, the burdens will be gone. Secondly, God lifts burdens, or at least lightens them, when we cast our burdens upon the Lord. That is, when we submit ourselves to His will and say to Him, Lord, we know what You are doing, and You are doing what is best for us. We know that You cause everything to work together for our good, and that lightens those burdens. Number three, God also lightens our burdens as the Holy Spirit leads us. You know, as we study the Word of God, He brings to us on down the road things to our remembrance that we want studied in the Bible just when we need them in a time of crisis or a time of pressure. 
And then number four, God lightens our burdens to our friends as we share one another's burdens in this life because we love one another. Last week, we also talked about the motive of sharing one another's burdens there in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You may not particularly like the personality of the person whose burdens you are sharing. You know, some of his tics may drive you a bit crazy. But nevertheless, you want to lift some of his burdens, lighten some of the load. Because above everything else in your life, you want to please the one that has reconciled you to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you share one another's burdens and enter into the lives of one another, no matter how dirty that life may be, to help one another. Because and only because it pleases Christ. It fulfills the law of Christ. And more than anything else, we want to please the one that shed his precious blood in our place. Now, as Christians, we love to do what we ought to do. Before we were Christians, we hated to do what we ought to do. Sometimes we did it out of self-interest or survival, but never out of a submission of the heart to God. But now... That the Holy Spirit has changed our hearts and come into us and given us the power that we depend upon every day to live by His Word. We are enabled by the Holy Spirit to do what we ought to do. And we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to love to do what we ought to do. Now look at verse 3. For For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, as I said last week, that should be burned into every one of our consciences. If anyone here today thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Before God, we are nothing. In other words, according to the Bible, some people who think they are something are nothing. And the point is that when we walk in the Spirit as a faithful Christian, day in and day out, the Holy Spirit prevents self-deception, especially with reference to our opinion of ourselves and our estimation of ourselves, which is always way too high. We're always ready to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, pat ourselves on the back, overlook our flaws, But when you are walking in the Spirit, He saves you from that kind of self-deception. There are people out there who think they are mature, godly Christians who are really just little baby Christians. And there are people out there who think they are good Christians who really are not Christians at all. And that is a deadly self-deception. And as you and I walk by the Holy Spirit's rule day in and day out, Not only will you be enabled to know God more deeply than you know him now, but you will be able to see your true self more clearly in the light of your increasing knowledge of the living God. Please turn with me to James, the first chapter, verses 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He didn't like what he saw. And therefore, he says, since I don't like what I see in the Bible, I must be wrong. It it must be wrong. Because I know I'm a lot better than what I see in that mirror. So he walks away. And he forgets about it. Verse 25. But one look, one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, or actually biblical revelation, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. In other words, the Bible is a mirror. And what do you do with a mirror? You want to see what you look like and what you need to rearrange before you go to church or you go out to dinner or somewhere with your spouse. Well, the Bible is a mirror that shows you what you are on the inside and what needs to be rearranged there on the inside. And when you look in that mirror and you believe it and you seek to bring your life into conformity to it because you love the God whose word it is, you not only have an increasing understanding of the one true and living God, the way he really is, but you are able to see yourself more clearly. And the more clearly you see yourself, the less opportunity there is for self-deception in this world. So you see, walking in the Spirit, by the Spirit's power, according to the Spirit's rule, saves us from self-deception. Now look at verse 4. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Here's another reason why walking in the Spirit saves you from self-deception. Because walking in the Holy Spirit enables us and motivates us to examine ourselves honestly and deeply. To test our motives and our priorities and our behaviors without prejudice or fear to see if we are of the faith. To see if we are, in fact, deceiving ourselves. Not, not only, as we saw last week, are people strangers to God, but people are strangers to themselves. And the most dangerous way of life is to be a stranger to God and a stranger to yourself either out of pride or fear, many, many people never look beneath the sin and honestly take inventory to see what is there. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of morbid introspection. Remember I said, as Spurgeon, for every one look you take at yourself in that mirror, you take a thousand looks at Christ. And understand that if you are a Christian, whatever you find down there, you don't have to be afraid to admit it because nothing in there can ever separate you from God. Christ has forgiven it and given you the power to overcome it if you are a Christian. So you and I as Christians are given not only the duty, the privilege, and the power to search ourselves deeply without fear, to see what is really there, and then not to walk through life presumptively thinking 
We are something when we are not. So much for review. Now let's go to verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load or his own burden. Now, that sounds like a contradiction of verse 2, doesn't it? In verse 2, remember, it says, bear one another's burdens. And now in verse 5, it says, each one shall bear his own burden. Now, is there really a contradiction there? No, not at all, for several reasons. Number one, the word for burdens in verse 2 in the Greek is not the same word for burdens in verse 5. In verse 2, where it says, bear one another's burden, the word for burden there denotes pressures, pains, heartaches, infirmities, sufferings, weariness in this life. Whereas in verse 5, the word burdens, or translated in our text as load, let each man bear his load, refers to our God-given duties and responsibilities that are a necessary part of the Christian life set forth for us in the Spirit's rule, the Bible. So when it says that each man bear his own load as we seek to share each other's burdens, you understand that in this life, every single one of us is responsible before God to live out our lives in accountability to Him, doing our duty, faithfully carrying out our responsibilities, and not allowing anything in creation to keep us from what God has called us to do. In fact, commanded us to do in the pages of his word. Now, verse 4 and 5 go together. In fact, the point of verse 5 is understood only in connection with verse 4. So let me read those two verses for you again. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and in regard to another, for each one shall bear his own load. In other words, the Christian life, instead of being the scrutinizing of other people's lives and criticizing others and then comparing ourselves to other people in which we will always come out on top, you and I as Christians are to test our own works, our own lives, not in comparison to someone else but in comparison to what God demands of us, because we all have to bear our own load. That is, we have to stand on our own two feet, and we are responsible to God for our work and our lives, and must someday give an account to Him on how we have lived. In other words, this statement, let each one bear his own load, is a refutation of one of the most popular gospels of the world today in all of history. One of the most popular ways by which people have convinced themselves that they are right with God. The book of Galatians teaches justification by faith alone, right? That is, we are declared innocent and accepted into the family of God through faith in Christ and not through anything we do at all. But one of the most popular but vain attempts at getting to God is justification by comparison. I can always find someone who is worse than I am. And if I can find something in someone that I'm not doing wrong, 
that's bound to get me in because compared to him, I'm a lot better. Therefore, because he is worse than I am and I am better than he is, God surely will let me in. If you ever hear someone say that, just tell them, the word of God says that each man bear his own load and examine his own work in life, not in comparison to other people, but only in comparison to the standard by which God will someday judge us all. In other words, when the text says that each one bear his own load, it simply means that we as believers walking in the power of the Spirit are responsible for our own conduct. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.